So I am joined today by David Detweiler and uh, and Fumi. If I pronounce this wrong, I think it's Fumi Tomita. 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 Um, yeah. I'm glad to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> and they have his album coming out. Uh, let's see. It's a week from today now. Uh, coming out on September 25th. Uh, celebrating Bird, a tribute to Charlie Parker. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know. We we to have like this new album coming out celebrating. Um, this musician who now i guess is uh what a hundred years old like this is the centennial this year right yep right yep what made you guys want to uh get behind this because i think like we all grow up playing charlie parker tunes like that's just a rite of passage like you have to do it you have to learn it uh i know some people sometimes you know uh it becomes too much they're just like man i'm tired of playing bird i'm tired of playing bird i mean they move on to other things but like you guys have have found this uh you know new love for it i've always had a love for it like what's the uh reason behind the album uh i'll i'll speak so you know i mean i've always like you said like i grew up loving charlie parker's music and you know it's it's uh one of the musics that uh, uh that led me into playing jazz and appreciating the music and and wanting and inspired me to want to play and uh and you know i've and I guess it's music I've always played. You know, I've always I've always had a couple of bird tunes I've had in my back pocket, like you know, for sessions. Like I know the melody, whatever, and stuff like that. And it's something that's always stuck with me, even though I've gone through like long periods where I didn't hear the music. And also, I guess as an educator too, like I I, I found that I I think they're great like tunes to learn, like and also for solos, especially for bass players and stuff, and learning the language. And um, and they're what I call like jazz etudes and stuff like that. So you know, because you know, in learning how to play and things like that. So the other thing is that you know, I, I've always you know, I guess I've always been uh, you know inspired by his music. You know, with with bebop, and I liked I've always liked the idea that bebop was sort of the beginning of like this of a, sort of an art form, that, like a very flexible art form that was able to include like different styles of music. You know, even in the in the first you know years you know in the years after bebop came out there were all already a bunch of variations on the music but there was like a, a basic like template that was set which i think is really great that you know for like inter, you know for interaction for playing tunes and uh yeah you know so 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 yeah i've always felt close to that and also the fact that bebop is really related you know includes you know it's kind of multicultural because it includes uh it's always had an aspect of latin jazz with it with um charlie parker recorded a bunch of uh uh of uh actually they're actually mexican tunes and stuff and and uh and dizzy gillespie did afro-cuban and stuff like that so and so yeah so anyway i i've always seen it as like a good melange of a bunch of different music so and plus the idea of like music as art so yeah well i'll jump in real quick um yeah all what fumi said and uh <laughs> also obviously for me being a saxophone player i mean you that's you know when, when you start playing jazz like charlie parker is one of the first things you sort of go to um especially with the omni book i mean i think every jazz musician has probably had a copy that is torn up in your living room somewhere you know from years of use falling apart um so, yeah, and uh, 
obviously his music is very inspirational um, to me. And, you know, and Fumi and I were, we wanted, we talked about, we wanted to collaborate on a, uh, you know, putting an album out together. So, um, you know, right away being, you know, this year being the centennial year of his Charlie Parker's birth, we sort of, I mean, it almost right away, we went sort of went to that, you know, um, since both being very influenced by, by him. Um, um, and then, you know, then we're, but then we are trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we want to actually put on the record? I mean, do we want to just record, you know, a bunch of Charlie Parker tunes, which many people have done, which is great, you know, um, and then we sort of had the idea, well, we, you know, we both write. So we, we had the idea of coming up with basically a record of contrafacts. So using Charlie Parker's chord changes to his tunes and coming up with a melody of our own and paying tribute that way. So, yeah, that's sort of where we sort of got the idea and the genesis of the record. So, so you know, and, and I thought, I personally thought that was really cool because like you said, like a lot of people have done these like standard albums and whatnot and they have their standards and that's great. I'm not knocking anybody that does it, you know, but it's an interesting perspective to, to approach it as like not only uh, paying tribute, like playing wise and compositionally wise, but like your, your own take on the arrangements. Uh, and, and with that in mind, how did you guys yeah. approach this? Did you go to it with, with the hat of like, okay, you know, I'm, like Dave, for example, did you go, okay, I'm going to play on this bird album and I'm going to play like bird on this album. Or did you approach it being like, well, I've learned what I have learned from bird. And now I have all these other people I've studied and everything. And let me come back now and then pay tribute to bird. Does that kind of make sense? Like which hat were you trying to wear there and how did you yeah. approach it? Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, you know, when you're playing, I mean, obviously well, let me just say this. I'm a tenor, I'm a tenor saxophone player. So, you know, um, and just being, I've listened to a, you know, a lot of tenor sax players along with some alto sax players. Uh, so a lot of different influences go into my playing, you know, not just Charlie Parker, but John Coltrane and Dexter Gordon and Joe Henderson and, uh, you know, Sonny Rollins, all of those guys. So, um, you know, I've take, tried to take all those, all those people and more into, into my playing, you know, when I, so even though I'm playing Charlie Parker tunes, you know, I'm still have all these influences and these people that I've studied, you know, in my playing. Um, so, you know, and plus just playing tenor as opposed to alto, you know, it's, it's, it's a different sort of different thing anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I, you know, I really just approach playing these tunes just the way, just the way I would normally play, I guess, you know, just with, with all those, with all my influences, you know, in mind, um, you know, but just trying to play tribute to Charlie Parker as well. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that certainly makes sense. I think sometimes people get caught up in this, this mindset that, uh, that we have to be someone or imitate someone, you know, whoever it is, whether it's, uh, you know, why are yeah. you not playing John Coltrane on soprano sax the way he did on my favorite things? Or why are you not doing this um, like this? Sure. So yeah. it's, 
but it's interesting because that's what makes a difference because everyone took something different from charlie parker you know right absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, definitely. yeah um and so here's an, another thing that like really interests me about this project in particular you know you guys approached doing a record which is obviously no small feat you know it's difficult a lot of people uh think it like once you're done recording it's done you know um how did this work for you guys doing it kind of like remotely minus the recording because it's not that you all were there and able to go through everything at the same time together like you know and on top of that you both are professors at universities uh, you're both dealing with teaching now midst COVID. Um, so how did you guys yeah. balance that and, and figure out approaching it and, and everything on top of that? Is there things you do differently? Some things that you're glad that it happened the way it was? You know, what is your thoughts looking back on? Well, Fumi, uh, you want to weigh in first? Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> well, we're fortunate that we're, we're, we got in the recording before any of this happened. So, so at least, you know, at least that part was set, but, uh, we did, you know, we had to mix everything remotely, um, coming, you know, you know, everything else basically after the recording was done remotely, you know, cause you know, we, we already decided we we're going to mix, you know, I was going to go to Florida at the end of March, you know, or during spring break, I can't remember. And, and we were going to mix it, but then, you know, you know, COVID came out and so. So we had to mix everything. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, I, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad, I'm happy with how it turned out and stuff. So, you know, it's it's always nicer if we could have done it in person, but, uh, you know, we wanted to get the record out. You know, we decided that despite everything, you know, we should push through everything. And, you know, I mean, and for, I mean, for myself and I'm sure, you know, for Dave as well, I mean, I feel like the recording project kind of complements what, what I do as a university professor, you know, in terms of research and also in teaching as well. And like, you know, and also, um, you know, since we both teach in jazz programs, jazz performance programs, it's nice for the students to have like, you know, knowing that professors are active and stuff like that, you know, and performing the music and, you know, still out there and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, we got, we did get very lucky to actually having have, you know, recorded the music uh, before COVID, you know, I was, because I, I flew to New York at the end of January and for a couple of days we recorded in one day, like February 1st or something like that, first or second. And then uh, I flew out. Um, so we're lucky we, we got it down, you know, because if that wouldn't happen, then yeah. We would have had to put it on hold for you. Or who knows how long? Right. Um, yeah. We wouldn't be you know, talking so, now. Yeah, we wouldn't. Be, yeah. <laughs> so we got really, you know, real fortunate uh, for that, you know. And you know, the mixing, like Fumi's, it was it was very challenging uh, mixing remotely. Even though, you know, uh, the guy Les Stevenson, who works here in Tallahassee, works with a lot with Marcus Roberts, pianist Marcus Roberts. Yeah you know does a great a great job you know but even though i was i was here you know uh actually he lives literally i can ride my bike to his house in like five minutes you know he lives like right around the block but i couldn't go over there because you know his wife is high risk and you know i it it just wasn't worth it like even trying to go over to his house you know so you know we did it all all by you know he'd send us emails with mixes and you know it took like two weeks, you know, or maybe a little longer to mix the record because, you know, because both Fumi and I would have to listen to it and then we'd have to talk and then we'd have to go back to Les, talk to him, 
and this just took forever. You know, it, it was, you know, usually you'd be done in a couple of days, you know? So that was, that was very challenging, but you know, we got, we got it done and, and uh, here we are. So definitely fortunate. Um, it's fortunately like the, the you know recording part we would not have been able to do you know fortunate that since that part was set like everything else i mean you know it's you know perhaps less than ideal but we managed to make you know yeah it, it was yeah. it's it's possible i mean normally mixing like we're there in the same room you can say hey you know maybe a little less space okay bam done but you know you know, right. in, a, in, a, in a quarantine situation i have to like email like okay maybe a little bit less space okay you know and as opposed to being a one two three job it's a one two three day job and stuff so. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so for you two as you know educators uh and you know fumi you brought it up uh always trying to pass on stuff to your students and and let them know that you guys are are active in the reporting scene and and, and this music um i feel like the obvious step that someone you know doesn't even have to ask about is well can you play the tunes you know do you know the arrangements do you have all that stuff together what aspect of, of a recording process with this not being your guys' first project or anything? I know Dave has albums out already. Fumi, you've done recordings and, and everything. What advice do you have that are things that maybe doesn't necessarily uh, first cross someone's um, mind when they're thinking about putting out an album? You know, it's, it's that thing that you might find out after you've already committed, you're a little bit in and now you're just kind of rolling with it, that would have been better to prepare for on the other side. Something that you might pass on to your students or friends or, or whatnot that are first trying to get into this. Yeah, well, I can I can go first, I guess. I mean, I mean, maybe some stuff I'm about to say is sort of obvious, but number one, you need to have musicians who are gonna be in the recording session with you like that you can really trust uh, to really have the music ready to go. Like when you step in, because we had one day to we to record, and that ha and that's fairly common. I mean, if you have two and two or three days to record, that's like a luxury, you know. So we had one day to record, eight, about eight hours, and that was it. So if you, you you have to have the music ready to go, there's no like, you know, you might we might run through the head, and then we're taking. You know, we're going to do a take, you know. So. Uh, you know the musicians we got jimmy jimmy mcbride and art hirahara jimmy mcbride on drums and art hirahara on piano i mean they were you know they stepped in and they were ready to play they had the tunes down you know like i said we rehearsed we just went through the head heads of the tunes and then we were they were recorded you know so um uh, there's not a lot of rehearsal you know there's not a lot of rehearsal going into a recording session you know unless you happen to be in a band that's uh, maybe working and on the road a lot, you know, so you might be have rehearsed that way. But a lot of times that's not the case, you know. So that would be one, you know, uh, piece of advice I would have. Just you have to be, you have to have all the tunes ready and just uh, be ready to hit right, right when you get into the recording studio. Fooming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what Dave said. And also, you know, and also you got to trust yourself, you know, when you have like a day to go to go in and you know Dave's flying up <laughs> for the recording and stuff like you know we you really have to trust yourself that you can go in and bam here we go we're going to play and this is it and there we go yeah. we got it you know and and you know recording is really stressful the first you know times around and stuff so and you know it's it's, it's I, you know, I don't know if it gets any easier but you know it's it you know 
but being aware of all these you know these things that you learn like that also having um you know i mean with this record you know we you know we kind of had like a plan you know we're like we were supposed to like this is yeah we're i think this was the week or next week that we were planning a, we were going to tour you know <laughs> yeah so, right yeah. yeah we had discussed all we like that night actually after the session you know we had dinner and we were talking about okay so we chose like a week where we're going to get together and we're going to play and do this and do that we're you know i was going to go down to florida in november i don't you know so like you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so yeah unfortunately it's all it didn't happen, <laughs> it didn't happen. We're, so, you know we're still at home <laughs> but but the idea of like a plan is really important because you know yeah. there's the recording but like you like you had said earlier alan there's like much more after that it's like the you know the whole production side of things and you know you know the interviews like the ones we're doing now and stuff like that you know getting the gigs and you know and so building up you know this is i see this as like building upon what we've been working on you know as musicians because before school i mean before teaching both you know me and dave and i met at eastman you know before we had our teaching jobs and before that both of us were professional you know working as professional musicians and stuff so so you know this is kind of building on all that and and you know, and yeah, so, so having yeah. the, I mean, the, it, bigger, the yeah. bigger plan. Yeah, yeah. Also, well, there's after, but oh, but leading into the recording session, you know, that's. I mean, we we planned that at least what from four months out. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, yeah. like getting the you know getting the studio. Who you know what studio are we going to use? Uh, where are we going to record? We're you know figuring that out. Uh, what musicians are we going to use? Yeah. You got to you got to recall the musicians way ahead of time because. You know, guys that if you really want, they're probably going to be gigging. You can't call them a week before and say, can you do a recording session? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to call them months in advance to make sure, yeah. you know, they could be on the road. Uh, you know, so uh, it's a lot of planning, uh, you know, up to the recording session and, and like Fumi said, after as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm a little curious, though, thinking about this, because as you guys are talking about this, I'm visualizing all this process and everything and like we had talked about earlier you guys decided to do an album of contrafacts essentially was the way that you wanted to pay tribute to charlie parker and i'm um as someone that writes myself and i'm sure you guys have done originals and, and everything you know was it a little intimidating to be writing these contrafacts because i think with originals the first battle for everyone is is you, am i going to do changes Am I going to do melody? Does this changes fit this melody that I came up with first? Does this melody work well over these changes? And now you're taking these tunes that are very widely known for a lot of them. And then you're putting your own melody on top of it. Was there a lot of um, uh, uh, battling yourself with, well, does this me melody really do these justice? Is this really the way that I think this is how I want to do this? Because, you know, if you take a tune like a blues for Alice, everybody knows blues for Alice. There's no question whether they do or not, but did it feel um, sometimes like, w were you approaching this correctly or was that not a concern for you? Or just like, you know what I'm going to do the way that I hear this going out. And, and that's going to be that. Maybe you want to go first or. Uh, that's, that's a great question. Cause yeah, I definitely, you know, found some roadblocks cause um and it was actually, the, I guess for myself, it was a bit of a journey because, I mean, I was writing, I mean, in writing Charlie Parker, you know, a tribute album, I, I thought about like Contrafacts, you know, we already decided on Contrafacts. And also I, I wrote a couple of tunes based on like his rhythms, 
like all this, but, 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 you know, they're, you know, famous for these long kind of long lines and stuff like that, syncopated rhythms. And so I was definitely aware of that. And, but then I was like, you know, what are we going to have like eight songs full of, but, 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 you know, we don't want to have that. Like they get, you know, it's too much. And so it's kind of interesting because in that process, so I, so one of the tunes like I had done was based on like the rhythm of, uh, it was, um, uh, it was, uh, like Sigmund, which is actually the, the tune, the, the, the tune is based on the tune segment, but the, the rhythm of the melody is actually based on relaxing a Camarillo. Hmm. And so I, so I, so I tried to use it that way, but I, I felt I was most successful in like bridging, like, a, a celebrating bird with uh, the bird dreams because that that tune is like the least like the Charlie Parker tunes but closer to like something that I would have written because it's kind of a little bit dreamier and stuff like that and but um but still but still fits the 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 theme stuff like that so it's definitely challenging writing you know figuring out how to write the tunes and what what is what is the right balance and stuff so yeah yeah i mean absolutely it's you know obviously whenever you're writing tunes you you know, you're wanting to be good, <laughs> you know, you want people to like them, you know, to, to like playing on them, to like playing them, you know? So I think that's sort of what, you know, it's not all necessarily about, you know, I think what you want as a writer sometimes, you know, if I, if I write a tune, but nobody likes to play on it, then what's that, you know, <laughs> it's like, that sort of defeats the purpose. So, um, you know, with these, and as Fumi mentioned it, it you know, it, it was deciding like, okay, am I going to write a bebop head or, you know, or do I want to write something a little different? You know, cause that's when he said, we didn't really want to write like eight bebop heads, right? you know, which we could have easily done, you know? So, you know, some of the tunes I, and certainly a couple of tunes I picked, I did like, like, um, um, uh, bird's yard is based on Yardbird suite. And that's definitely pretty busy as far as the melodic material more like a bebop tune um but then um you know i wrote uh you know we we did some like we also wrote some a couple of tunes were like standard tunes that charlie parker recorded uh a lot or without were on bird with strings so like the student east of the sun um so i wrote a, a contrafact on that um you know and uh, i was trying to think you know we instead of, you know, having all the tunes in four, four, you know, so I was, I figured out a way to put that tune in three, four and have it a little more, you know, a floaty feeling than, than a bebop feeling necessarily. You know what I mean? So just trying to have some different avenues and um, some different feels on the record. Um, yeah. So you definitely want to think about that. I mean, we, so we sort of divided it four tunes each and sometimes we'd start writing a tune. I say, yeah, I'm going to write a, you know, I'm writing a contrafact on, uh, yeah. This, you know, whatever, uh, I don't know, like Yardbird Sweet and Fumi's like, oh, I just started something on Yardbird Sweet. Like, uh -uh. <laughs> so then we have to decide, okay, who's going to write on that country? Yeah. You know, so anyway, but yeah, so, uh, you know, it's definitely a consideration of, you know, having some different feeling, feelings and different styles uh, with it, even though we're, you know, writing and paying tribute to Charlie Parker and, and his bebop style. I'm, um, I'm also curious to know, because you guys are obviously well into your careers and everything, and for a lot of young musicians, I think, when they're learning all of these different people, whether it be 
Dexter Gordon or, you know, Paul Chambers, Clifford, whoever it is, there's a moments where it's just checking somebody off a list and then they're on to the next person that they're checking out mm. for you guys going back again to what may be the second or the third or the fourth time that you've checked out Charlie Parker in depthly. Was there something else or something new that you picked up on or you were appreciative of, or just something that you might've not understood to the in-depth or appreciated to that level the first time around or the second time around that you um, were checking out his music and his playings and whatnot. Well, I mean, for me, every time, I think every time I like go back to Charlie Parker for a while, it's like you learn something new, you know, in a way, Um, you know, I, I remember being like a teenager and like certain check out Charlie Parker and some of my friends, you know, didn't really like they didn't like charlie parker really and i because they said he was too repetitive you know um because he you know he plays certain he has certain ideas that he plays it on different recordings right but you know the thing is those are like classic you know those are classic lines that people learn how to play jazz you know that's how you learn how to play the music you know and uh you know and his you know his rhythm is like he has, you know, like perfect rhythm when, when he plays, you know, everything is placed just where he wants to place it in the measure. Uh, it's, and it's incredible. His, his sense of time feel and, and his rhythm of aspect to his, uh, soloing, you know? So, um, you know, every time I, I go back, I seem to, you know, it's like you find, I think you can just, it's so the music runs really deep, you know, it runs really deep. You can find, you can go back to it time and time again and find new, uh, new things that you might have missed before. Yeah, totally. I, I I totally think that. I mean, every, I mean, there's a lot of notes in there. It's inevitable that there's going to be new. You know, you can be able to hear the music in a different way, or discover something you never noticed about a certain solo. Things like that. Because there's so many. You know, his there's so many aspects to his playing. Also, I found like. You know, nowadays, like there's, you know, there's so much, more, so many more recordings available than there used to be, and so you know, I, I've heard yeah. like other versions of Parker tunes I'd never heard. I'm like, whoa, I, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm knocked out because it's all, you know, because I'm used to hearing him play on certain tunes, and you hear him play, even on the same tune, the tune I'm familiar with, it's you know, because he always improvises differently and stuff. So you know, he's like the, a true improviser in that sense, like like he makes it up as you go along in that sense. It's right. what. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was just going to say, it was, it was interesting, you, you, you said that uh, people were like checking off a list in terms of going through mus- musicians. That's interesting because I think like, I mean, for, you know, from when when Dave and I were growing up, you know, it, it wasn't, I guess there was people that you checked out, but the list wasn't as large because you had to buy the record <laughs> if you wanted to check them out. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> you know, and so it was like a, and I remember it was like a commitment, like, do I spend $15 or, you know, on this CD or, you know, do I get another right. Dexter or do I, do I just stick yeah. with what I know? You know what I mean? So like, it was, it was, it was very different for, for our generation and stuff. So, but I think well, like with access, it's easy to like, oh, check them out. Okay. Got it. Next. You know, so yeah, which I think we all would agree could be uh, extremely beneficial or not, depending on how someone uses it. Because yeah. there's yeah. so much that you have access to, it can be overwhelming, but can also cause people to not um, really get like specific enough as you need to, as uh-huh. uh, when we're going on to all that. So, uh-huh. 
Um, you know, last question to kind of go into, uh, we have, you know, referenced it and talked about it a little bit through it. We're in the middle of COVID. Everyone's at home, uh, kind of, at least. What are you guys doing to stay proactive? What are you working on? What's coming up? Uh, everything on those regards. Um, yeah, well, uh, I'm still going. So I'm going in, you know, that's so why I teach at Florida State University. Um, so I'm, I'm, I go in every day. Um, I teach... I do teach some lessons in person. Um, usually the way I'm working it right now is all, I don't have any students back to back. So, you know, so I'll do a zoom lesson and then I'll do a face to face and then I'll do a zoom and then a face to face like that. Uh, sort of like clear out the room, you know, air out the room, um, so to speak. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I'm doing Over that. And, yeah. So anyway, I, so, you know, I am going in, my, my improv class does meet in person. So that's, that's nice. We have a huge, a huge space, you know, huge room um, to work with. So, you know, so, so I am actually going into work, which is sort of nice because, you know, basically from last March till the end, you know, till like, you know, till May, I, I was, we were staying at home, you know, so, um, but yeah, uh, you know, so I'm I'm just um, doing all the, the school stuff, and then I'm I actually have another record coming out in in January um, with with a different group. So I'm trying to get that ready as well. Uh, so just trying to you know, stay busy, you know. And what about you, Fumi? Yeah, I mean, you know, teaching you know nowadays keeps me busy. I I, I have to make uh, teach a couple classes that are asynchronous, so. Every week I'm making 300 minutes of video of like <laughs> teaching. So, so that, that, that That's takes, incredible, so, man. That's incredible. So I, I, my video editing skills have gotten a lot better. <laughs> and, um, but besides that, you know, I mean, I just try to, you know, my modus operandus has always been to stay busy and keep projects in mind. And I, I'm still, I, you know, I've been, I'm working on a project with a, actually a, a, the saxophone player here, we're playing like a duo outside and we're going to play like a concert here and you know you got a grant cool. for us to play and stuff like that so and cool. then yeah so there's you know so i try you know i try to keep busy with like teaching playing and also i'm and i'm working on a working on a book actually on a, on early jazz so so oh, nice. between those three things yeah yeah that's uh and then this record you know this record coming out and you know everything else in life you know a lot, a lot going on, but I, I don't know. I, I like, I like staying busy because it, it keep, you know, because I, I believe that we're going to get out of this, and that you know, eventually yeah. things will be back to normal and stuff like that, and then you know, we'll be able, to, you know. So I want to make sure the momentum is still there. Yeah, maybe we'll actually be able to tour with this. Right yeah, yeah, we can actually tour. Yeah, 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 exactly. So It'd be nice. I've always yeah. got my, yeah, my, my ears always tied to that pavement. So you know. Yeah. Well. Uh... You know, thanks so much for coming on today, guys. The record comes out uh, a week from today, um, yeah. on September 25th. It'll be on both of your websites, I'm sure. Uh, already know iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Deezer, uh, Pandora. I mean, if people still use that, um, <laughs> it'll, it'll be everywhere. Right. it's going to be very interesting yeah. to listen to. I think a lot of people will like it. It'll, you know, great new ideas for some standards that you thought you knew already some new perspectives new takes on it all 
uh, and looking forward to it with it being Bird Centennial.